Welcome to the Living Hope Church audio podcast. Join us weekly as Pastor Jeff Myers shares from God's Word. If you'd like more information about Living Hope Church of Dixon, California, please visit our website at livinghopedixon.com. Elijah. So we're continuing on in this thing. Last week we, we talked about the story where Elijah... Uh, has this kind of showdown. He's the prophet of God against the, the 450 prophets of Baal. Uh, they, they get up on a mountain and have this big uh, standoff where they call upon their God to come and burn a sacrifice that they had prepared, and uh, Baal does not show up uh, since, he's, he, since he's pretend. And, um, and then, uh, but the one and only true God shows up, and it's just this big victorious day all of God's people come back to faith, and that's not enough. Elijah doesn't give them a, thanks everybody for coming, you know, tip your waitresses on the way out the door, you know, that sort of thing. Instead, what he does is he's like, hey, God is good, round up all those prophets and let's slaughter them. And so they slaughter 450 prophets, and I said last week that kind of like, you know, the second grade boy in me kind of likes that part of the story, you know, and, uh, you know, that sort of thing. So I know you're not supposed to like slaughter, uh, but, you know, Anyway, Elijah put the laughter, you know, you can't spell slaughter without laughter, something like that. Anyway, so, uh, no, 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 that's horrible. That's, that's not, I shouldn't preach that. So anyway, so uh, anyway, we're going to, so that's where it ends last week, right? I mean, just this victorious moment, uh, a big win for God. God shows up in a huge, miraculous way, fire from heaven, burning up a, a wet altar and all kinds of stuff. It's just this, um, just this amazing, amazing showing of God's power and a huge kind of, uh, spiritual high, obviously, for Elijah being used in such a mighty way. And what we pick up on this week is the very next verse. Uh, um, Elijah basically just goes tailspinning into a d- depression. I mean, he goes right from this huge spiritual mountaintop experience to one of the lowest points of his life. And one of the reasons I love Elijah so much is that uh, he gives me hope. He gives me hope because a lot of times when we feel... Uh, dark, depressed, blue, whatever you want to call it, anxious about things, um, we tend to kind of, we, we're so focused inward that we feel like uh, either we're all alone in this or something must be wrong with us or God could never use me because I feel so weak or, or whatever else. And I love reading this story where honestly one of, the, one of the mightiest men of God recorded in scripture in terms of the way God worked through him in mighty, mighty ways uh, was also prone to very human uh, feelings like, like a lot of us go through, like depression. And this wasn't like, you know, Elijah wasn't like, oh, I feel sad. I mean, this was a, this was a dark, dark period in his life. And we're going to hit that in just a second. The truth is, though, that, and, and I kind of mentioned this a week or two ago, that I, I, I'm not going to paint for you some sort of rosy picture of the Christian life. You know, we would like to believe that once we start following Jesus, that, you know, our wives will always agree with us, and uh, our kids will never disobey, and they will, you know, greet us like puppy dogs when we walk in the door, and, uh, you know, the dishes will magically do themselves, and, uh, you know, grades will always be A's, and teachers will always have great things to say about our kids, and our our boss will never cease to praise our name of the work that we do, and uh, the money will never run out, Um, and all that we would like to believe that 
you know, I'm, I'm following Jesus, so why wouldn't all this good stuff happen? And the, that, that's just, I can't tell you that, though, because it's just not true, and it's fake, and you would see right through it. The, the, the truth is that life still happens. What was it we said uh, last week that, or maybe it was the week before, that, that, that life following Christ, completely sold out, committed to Christ, life following Christ, surprisingly, shockingly, looks a lot like life. It just looks a lot like life. Things still go wrong. People still die. People still get sick. Uh, you know, people still, you know, get elected to positions we didn't wish they get elected to and, you know, whatever else. And um, I'm talking city, not national. Um, no, just anyways. Uh, um, <laughs> and so, I mean, what? it's just things don't go the way we want them to go. And guess what? Welcome to humanity. You're a human, and, and that's what you get to go through. There's also great days, too. There's also days that uh, blow us away at how good they are. I mean, that, that just kind of burn themselves into our memories at how good they are. And, and then there are days where you feel like you got punched in the gut and you can't catch your breath. It's life. And the difference is when you're following Christ, the Bible tells us there's a, a peace that passes understanding, a peace that surpasses understanding, that somehow even in the midst of crap, we can still feel peace. I'm not saying it's always easy to feel. Sometimes you've got to kind of search for it. We're going to talk about that in just a second. But when, the, when we hit these really dark, kind of depressing times, uh, that's, to me, that's when it's like you've got to search for it even more intently. It's there. God is still there. He hasn't abandoned us. It's just not so readily, he's not so readily seen. But he's there. But he's there. I've shared with you guys before that for years now, I, I, I go through kind of a seasonal depression this time of year, every year. Almost every year, not quite every year, but almost every year. In October, for some reason, I get the blues. I get kind of down. I lose my motivation. I lose my mojo. I, I feel like I don't want to get out of bed. I, I, you know, whatever. I just kind of start start taking a more cynical view of my life and everything around me. And and I've learned over the years to fight through that, to not just sit in it and wallow in it, but to fight through it when I when I I see it coming and I and I feel it hit instead of just kind of curling up and getting comfortable with my depression, I, I make a choice every day that I'm not going to be this guy. I'm going to fight through this. And so that's where I am right now. And, you know, in a couple of weeks, I'll get a plate full of turkey and everything will be fine. <laughs> and so that's just kind of the way that works, right? And so, um, but, but this is where I am. For right now, I'm daily making this decision. I'm not going to be this guy. I'm, not gonna, I'm going to choose not to be this guy. I'm going to choose to get up and seek God and to, to, to do the things that I know he's called me to do. I'm going to choose this, but it's a definite choice. And it is, um, at some time, some, there are days I'm successful at making that choice, and then there are days not so much. But I'm, but I'm daily making that choice. I'm trying as best as I can. But it's just part of life. It's just, for at least for my life, that's part of my life. Now, I, I'm sure I'm the only person in the room that ever gets depressed. Uh, I'm sure that every one of you are just, you know, you're just, you know, going through life like, you know, I was going to say Wally and the Beaver, but only three of you would even get that joke if I said that. So, 
Um, so, <laughs> so anyway, I mean, you know, I, I don't know. I'm sure all of you are just just perfectly happy, and and uh, but but I'm gonna I'm gonna kind of jump out on a limb here and assume that maybe maybe some of you struggle with this too. <coughs> oh, just choked. What do you drink when you're choking on water? <coughs> all right, so. Um, Let's dive into this First uh, Kings chapter 19. So like I said, we, we've just set this thing up where, where uh, Elijah had this huge victory day, uh, awesome, mountaintop, high experience, and then boom, this is what happens next. Ahab, oh, by the way, uh, the king is Ahab, the queen is Jezebel. Jezebel is the one responsible for bringing in all the false prophets and, 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 turn it and, and actually chasing and killing all the prophets of God and bringing in false gods, and she's just this wicked, evil woman. Uh, that's why uh, nobody uh, really names their kids Jezebel anymore. And so, so Ahab, uh, verse 1, Ahab told Jezebel all that Elijah had done, and how he had killed all the prophets with the sword. And then Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah saying, So may the gods do to me and more also, if I do not make your life as the life of one of them by this time tomorrow. And then he was afraid, and he arose and ran for his life, and came to Beersheba, which belongs to Judah, and left his servant there. But he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness and came and sat down under a broom tree. And he asked that he might die, saying, It is enough. Now, O Lord, take away my life, for I am no better than my father's. And he laid down and slept under a broom tree. All right, so a lot of times when we read Scripture, Scripture can kind of, you know, it doesn't have the flowery, descriptive language as modern literature a lot of times, and sometimes it can be kind of black and white, very cut and dry, and important things happen that it's easy for us, to, as we read it, to kind of rush through. I, I don't want to rush through this, because I want to hit, I want you to get what, where, he, where he is there, where he says, uh, and he asks that he might die, saying, it, it's enough, take away my life. That Elijah, this mighty, mighty man of God who God has worked through in incredible, miraculous ways, reaches a day where he is like, I can't do this. I just want to die. It would just be easier if I could just die. God, would you please, please, I'm laying down here under this tree. Please let me never get up. Please just just take me, just kill me. I just want to die. I don't know how many of you have had days that dark where you have that thought that, you know what, and I'm not necessarily talking like um, like suicidal thinking as much as, even though some of you may have had those, those days as well. I'm more talking, I've, I'll be honest, I've had a, a couple of those days in my life where I was so down, I felt so kind of pinned up against the wall that I thought, you know, if... If God came back, or if I just was to have a heart attack today, that that would be okay. That would be okay. I I feel like I can't go on. I feel it, it is too much for me. If you want to take me today, Lord, that would be perfectly fine with me. Those days where it's just like we despair our own lives, where we feel like, ugh, I, I just I can't do this. I was talking to somebody. I won't say who because I didn't get permission to tell the story, but. Um, I was talking to somebody in church recently, and, uh, and I was, it was uh, several weeks ago, but I was saying how um, I was just feeling like 
like I was starting to feel, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, just kind of overwhelmed and maybe a little burnt out. And I said, I, I was actually driving down the road the, the other day just thinking, you know, I kind of wish I could have like a minor heart attack. Just to kind of, just, just derail me for a couple weeks and I could get some rest. That would, that, I would kind of be okay with that, right? And, and the guy I was with looked at me and, and it was like, I was thinking the same thing the other day, right? It's like, I, I'm not saying I want to die. I'm just like, you know, if I got sick or just, just a little heart attack or, you know, whatever, Maybe that, maybe that would be okay. Now, I, I've, I've read before that when you feel that, when you're kind of hoping for sickness or hoping for heart attacks, that, uh, that it's, it's kind of a sign of burnout and you need to, you know, make some changes in your life or whatever. But, but there are times I've felt like, ah, oh, I just, I don't have the energy, I don't have the spirit to kind of step into another day and do this again. I, I just, I just, I, I need a kind of a forced break, right? And, um, and then there have been days even stronger than that where, and, and again, not many. It's not like I'm this way all the time. But I've had a couple days in my life where I thought death would be welcome today. I'm not, not talking killing myself. I'm just saying, if it happens, so be it. I'm going to heaven. I'm happier. And, you know, you guys can work it all out yourself. So, <laughs> so that's kind of where I was, right? We, we have, if you're a person that struggles with any level of, of depression or anxiety or anything at all, what our tendency is when we hit those days is we tend to feel worthless and broken and like God could never use me. Who am I to, to you know, say that I'm some sort of servant of God? God, you know, I'm, I, I'm, there's nothing about me that God could use. Uh, I'm a failure as a whatever, as a person, as a dad, as a father, as a mother, as a wife, as a employee, I'm a, I'm a, you know, you just begin to get so down and dark on yourself and, and that internal voice just kind of clicks in and, and the stupid thing won't shut up and just telling you every negative and ugly thing about yourself. Uh, and if you're there, it's really easy also to kind of take that next step and kind of turn all that emotion back towards God. And we begin to say and feel things like God has abandoned me, or maybe he doesn't even exist. Why, why do I even believe this stuff? Why would God, I'm serving God, I'm doing the best I can to, you know, as a Christian, I'm trying to serve him, I'm trying to follow his calling in my life. Why, you know, if he's really there, why, and I'm doing what I'm doing, why would he leave me out here all alone or cause all this bad stuff to happen to him when we get all frustrated and faithless and everything else and it's just it can be just this really really dark place it's such a challenge for us to rise above all of that it's like it's like you know with your kids if you've got parents if your parents and you've got kids which if you, your parents you do have kids um <laughs> if you have kids you, you you know that you know when your kids reach that day every kid reaches that day and maybe they're four or five six seven eight years old it's different for every kid but every kid eventually reaches that day where they become so overwhelmed by a bad situation, you know, that didn't go the way they want it to go, that they just, it just builds up and they just lash out and they look at you and I hate you and you don't even love me. And how can you let this happen? You know, just this is lashing out. And then it, that when that day happens, it's like, okay, all right, here we go. It's on now. I'm actually going to get to be a parent to this one. And, uh, you know, because they all hit that. And, and, and as a parent, you're looking at them going, 
what just happened? This was like nothing. You are way overreacting here. Like you went from, you know, you can't go to McDonald's to uh, you never loved me. Where did that come from? You know, and just like, it's just, as a parent, you can look at that and go, this is crazy. And you're trying to calm your kid down and like, whoa, daddy still loves you. You're just being crazy right now. And, and uh, you know, just, and you do that whole thing. And I got to think that, that God in heaven is, is sometimes looking at us doing the exact same thing where we, you know, we go from, you know, I lost a job, I got demoted, or my wife's mad at me, or whatever it is, to God, why do you hate me? Or do you even exist? And God's going, what just happened? This is just, you're a human being living a life. This is what happens in life. Suddenly you forgot that I'm God and I gave my son to save your soul and I have all the good things I have done for you and all the provisions and all the great days that were there and all the, and the, that mountain that you're staring at through your windshield like I didn't create that all of a sudden because you got demoted, really? And, and, and as, as much as we look at our kids somehow from this position of logic in their craziness at times, I think God kind of does the same thing to us. And he's like, really? Really? We don't, have to, we don't have to jump that far. The truth is that life happens. It doesn't always go the way that we want it to go. But that doesn't change who God is. In fact, if you're paying attention, you'll find that God is at work and present in all of this, even when you have convinced yourself that he's not. God is, a lesson I learned several weeks ago is that God is, is working on solutions before we ever know there's a problem. He's working on solutions before we ever know that there's a problem. We were getting ready to take off for our Papua New Guinea trip a few weeks ago, and some of you know that a few days before we were supposed to leave, we got word from Orbitz, who we had booked the majority of our flights through, uh, that one of our flights had been canceled, and in all of the genius of the corporate uh, office of Orbitz, they decided that a a good plan would be for us to, uh, you know, we, we, would, we would fly to Fiji, and then we would hang out in Fiji in the airport for four days till our, our connecting flight. And, um, and so I, I thought that was dumb. And um, <laughs> so we began to work on an alternative plan, and I spent literally, I don't know, 10-plus hours on hold over the course of a couple of days um, just listening to that stupid Paco Bell cannon over and over and over and over and just the same stupid music and 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 at hour after hour and minute after minute it would just begin to grate on me and every time I would talk to somebody it was a different person or I would wait on hold for 45 minutes and then get hung up on and start the process all over again that happened about a dozen times and just uh, I mean just over and, and just the ineptitude of this company I was just beginning to get angry. And I don't mind calling Orbits out by name. Uh, I hope that everybody in the world hears this podcast because they are a horrible company. And so anyway, so I'm going to get to how horrible they are in just a second. So, but I began, my anger was just rising up in me in honestly a sinful way. I was just getting so angry over the course of days of working, trying to work this out. And finally a solution was, was found uh, where we were able to leave a couple of days earlier than we anticipated, but with all the changes in flights, it ended up costing our team an extra $5,000 that we weren't anticipating spending. And I, again, my blood just boiling. And I began to feel like, 
I feel like these people are stealing from me, and it was just, it was just making me angry, just making me angry. And, uh, and so we, we, we finally get out, and we take off, and, and God started kind of, as, you know, as we were into the trip, God started kind of softening me up a little bit and getting me to relax, and we get to L.A. to catch our, our flight to Fiji, and we're dealing with the airline there, and we were carrying a lot of excess baggage for, um, for the Clausanes because we were bringing them a lot of supplies and stuff, and so we knew there was going to be some, you know, baggage fees and stuff like that, but the airline had changed their baggage policy at the last minute. We ended up at the ticket counter having to pay like an extra 700 bucks to get our bags through, right? And so it was in that moment, as I'm forking over $100 bills at this ticket counter, that it suddenly hit me. Well, a couple things, a couple things that hit me. First of all, um, I realized that, you know, we had, we had the money. We had the money. We had had other plans for it. We were going to bless some missionaries with it or whatever we had. But what God had done was he had provided above and beyond what we were, what we were raising for this trip. And, and pretty much almost all the money was there. And what wasn't there, uh, you all gave faithfully uh, that week before we left. And, and so the money was there. Again, God worked on the solution before I knew there was a problem. And then as I was forking over those $100 bills at the t- ticket counter... It, and I, I just started laughing as I'm paying this lady. And, and it just hit me that why have I felt like these people are stealing from me? This was never my money. It was God's. They were stealing from God. <laughs> and so I'm just telling you, if you got stock in orbit, sell it now. <laughs> if you got stock in orbit, sell it now. They're going down, I'm telling you. I'm, I, you mark it this day. I will write it. I'll sign it. Orbits is going down. I'm telling you, it's happening. They just jacked God out of $5,000. Right? And here I am feeling all self-righteous that, you know, they're stealing from me. It was never mine to begin with. God was working solutions before I ever knew there was a problem. God was working solutions before I ever knew there was a problem. Now, I'll, let's keep reading because I'll go on about orbits all day long. All right, so uh, where are we? So he went to sleep, right? That's where we left off? All right. Uh, And he lay down and slept under a broom tree. And behold, an angel touched him and said to him, Arise and eat. And he looked, and behold, there was at his head a cake baked on hot stones and a jar of water. And he ate and drank and lay down again. And the angel of the Lord came again a second time and touched him and said, Arise and eat, for the journey is too great for you. And he arose and ate and drank and went in strength of that food 40 days and 40 nights to Horeb, the mount of God. Okay, so Elijah laying down in this broom tree, praying to God that he would just be able to die. He's in his darkest moment. I just want to die. And an angel comes, wakes him up. He kind of rolls his head over off his rock and looks, cake, like that's a good day, right? (laughs) That's an awesome day, right? When you roll your head from one side of the pillow to another and there's a cake, I can't imagine a better day than that. That'll bring anybody out of a depression, like thank you, (laughs) you know, just like that. That's so great. I love that. And, and, and a jar of water there, and, and this happened twice. Elijah lays back down again and still kind of want to die and gets woke up again. Cake, jar of water, 
And, and, and with this, you need, you need to arise and get up and go on your way. This journey is too great for you. Has anybody ever felt like this journey is too great for you? Anybody? Now, before you get comfortable in that feeling, I'm going to blast it away. You ready? Here it comes. This journey that was too great for Elijah was not the journey God put him on. It's the journey he put himself on. You get that? This journey. This journey of you being all depressed and hanging out hoping to die, this journey of you walking the exact opposite direction that I've called you to serve, this is the journey that's too great for you. You'll feel overwhelmed at times in the journey I have for you, but it'll never be too great for you because I'll be there to carry you and to help you and to help you through it. I'll provide for you every step of the way. But when you take off on your own and you allow yourself to rest and sit and sleep in a state of, of darkness, of depression, of anxiety that kind of cripples you and sidelines you, that is the journey that's too great for you. Arise, get up, get up. And that's the, that's the second point. You need to get up and you need to power up. Get up and power up. This is the truth of the matter. Even in your darkest moments, even in the times when you feel God is not present at all, he is putting little cakes around your head all over the place. He is trying to nourish you. He's trying to bring you up and revive you. Even while he's working on a final solution to your problem that you didn't even really knew existed, he's working all that out. He's also providing nourishment and energy and power for you to make it through to that next step if you'll just see it, if you'll just hear it. How many of you have ever uh, had somebody in your life that was in a really dark point, or maybe you can identify with yourself, you were there too, where, where you wanted to help them through that, and you had encouraging words for them. You know, when people come to me and they're in these places, and I'm all the time praying, God, just give me the words to speak to them that would, that would come from you, that would help them to kind of get up out of this place that they're in, and I'm praying that prayer, and, and, and sometimes... Uh, some phrase, some word of encouragement will come out of me, but I'll be like, dang, that was really good. I need to write that down. I could start a book on that one. It was so good. Like, it totally came from God. I'm like, well, I don't even know where that came from, right? And, it's, and I'm just like, that's got to be the one. That's got to be the one that they're going to go, ding, light bulb moment, and, and everything, everything's going to get better. This word from God that just came to them. And, 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 and how many of you have, have been talking to people like that and giving them that good word, that word that should solve everything they're going through, and they're not hearing a word you're saying. They won't hear it. They will not hear it. You, you give them like this gem of wisdom and their next response is, yeah, and my, my problem is this and this and this. And this. I mean, they're just right back into their funk. That's all they can think. That's all they can see. They won't see it. And I'm telling you, if this is where you are, kind of close your eyes and open them back up and see your situation with fresh eyes. Close up your ears, open them back up, hear the words of encouragement, everything that God is sending you, that God is sending you things to power you up and to get you out of the situation if you'll just see it, if you'll just hear it. But you have to make a choice sometimes. Today I'm going to actually look for it. It's here. I believe God is who he says he is. I believe he is sending me what I need to bring me out of this. God, today help me see it. I know it's there. Help me see it. And you make a conscious choice, choice that I'm not going to stay where I am. I'm going to get up. I'm going to get back on the road. I'm going to power up with the stuff that God has provided for me to get me out of this. I'm going to, go, I'm going to, I'm going to do this, but it's, it's a decision. Now, some of you are thinking, Jeff, you're talking about a whole different type of depression. Mine's a different thing. Or mine's a whole different beast. I'm insulted that you think I could just choose to get out of this. So I'm going to deal with you in just a second. All right? But for most of us, it's a choice. At some point in there, it's a choice that I can either stay here 
where I can get up. And sometimes, I tell people this all the time, sometimes you got to fake it till you make it. Sometimes you got to fake it till you make it. Sometimes you got to step out on faith that you don't have. Sometimes you got to tell yourself encouraging things that you don't believe. Sometimes you, you, you know, it's just like an image. Sometimes you got to fake it till you make it. I, I, now, this is the only time you'll ever hear your pastor encouraging you to be fake. Because, you know, us here at Living Hope, we're, we're all about, we just deal with who we are. Warts and all, ugliness and all, it doesn't matter. We're all people. We all deal with junk. But sometimes the best thing you can do in, to get yourself up out of a pit is kind of fake it till you make it. Eventually, you'll start believing those things. Eventually, you'll start seeing those little cakes around your head for what they are and, and taking advantage of them for what they are. So get, your, get yourself, get up. Get up, don't stay there. Now, this is where it gets good. This is this part of the story that most of you all know. This is so good. All right. Um, so there he came to a cave and lodged in it. I assume that means he slept there, not that he was so big that he lodged in it. There he came to a cave and lodged in it. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him, and he said to him, get this, this is important. The word of the Lord came to him and said to him, what are you doing here, Elijah? And he said, I've been very jealous for the Lord, the God of hosts. For the people of Israel have forsaken your covenant, thrown down your altars, and killed your prophets with the sword. And I, even I only, am left. And they seek my life to take it away. And he said, God said, go out and stand on the mountain before the Lord. <clears throat> now, now, there's a series of events here that you've got to catch, so pay, pay close attention. And behold, the Lord passed by. The Lord passed by. And a great and strong wind tore the mountains and broke in pieces the rocks before the Lord, but the Lord was not in the wind. Now, I grew up in the uh, Tornado Alley, and so I've seen some strong winds. I've seen wind knock over tractor trailers uh, that were in the middle of driving down the road. I've seen uh, tornadic winds uh, rip communities apart. I've never once seen a wind rip a mountain apart, ever. Like, I've never been, you know, in the middle of Yosemite and looked over at El Capitan just quivering. Never seen that. That's a, I point that out just to say, uh, that's a big old wind. That's ripping mountains apart. That's a, that's, a serious, that's a serious, serious wind. God has just passed by. Elijah knows God has just passed by, and then he sees a wind tear mountains apart. It's like God's not in the wind. All right. Um, and after the wind, an earthquake. But the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, a fire. But the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, the sound of a low whisper. And when Elijah heard it, he wrapped his face in his cloak and went out and stood at the entrance of the cave. So God passes by. There's a mountain ripping wind, and God's not in that, though. There's an earthquake, and that God's not in that. There's a great fire, and God's not in that. And then God shows up in the sound of a low whisper, okay? So this is the first time this has ever hit me before, but, but my question is this. If, if God is present, he's just passed by, God is present, and there's this earth, wind, and fire concert, right? 
there's this huge showing of some sort. If God was not in all that, then who was? Who was in all that? This is the thing I want you to know, that as much as you have a God who... who who, a heavenly Father who loves you and wants to, sustain, wants to sustain you, wants to provide for you, wants to love you, wants to be in relationship with you, to, to bring you out of the darkest points of your life and set your feet on solid ground into a place of victory instead of a place of defeat, a God who wants to do all that for you. You also have an enemy who just simply wants to distract you. He just wants to distract you. People ask me, you know, because I talk about following God's call and you know, listening to God, listening to the Holy Spirit in your life, and it's like, how do you know, like I hear a lot of stuff, how do you know what's God? How do you know what to listen to? And I always tell people the same thing. To me, for, at least for me, that God's voice to me is always the consistent one. It's the, the message is the same every single time. Now, I'll hear other, I'll, you know, I'll feel other emotions, other nudgings, other thoughts, you know, that sort of thing and have other ideas or, or, or whatever it is, but and sometimes they're really good ones too. Sometimes they're like, like great life-changing ideas, like somebody could put that idea to work and that would be great. But the, here's, here's the thing is that God's word to me is consistent. He wants me to follow him down a very specific path. Satan doesn't care what I do, good or bad, as long as it's not the one thing God wants me to do. So when you get distracted with everything in your life and all the emotion and everything that's trying to pull you off of the track that God's got you on, God's voice is the consistent one. Let me show you how consistent it is in this next verse. So he wrapped his face in his cloak and went out and stood at the entrance of the cave. And behold, there came a voice to him and said, what are you doing here, Elijah? Exact same question God asked earlier. The exact same question God asked him earlier. What are you doing here, Elijah? And Eli- I love Elijah's response because Elijah's like, you asked me the same question, I'm going to give you the same answer. I've been very jealous for the Lord, the God of hosts, for the people of Israel have forsaken your covenant, thrown down your altars, and killed your prophets with the sword, and I, even only I, am left, and they seek my life to take it away. Same word-for-word answer. And the Lord said to him, go, return on your way to the wilderness of Damascus. Go and return. One of the key things to you getting out of the whatever funk that you might be in or when you're in it, or, you know, is eventually you need, to, you need to remember what God called you to. You need to remember your calling, and you need to return to your calling. If there's any confusion on what that calling is, like we talked about a week or two ago, we all have the same primary calling in life, and that's to bring God the maximum amount of glory that we possibly can. Every one of us is called to bring God glory. And so when you remember your call to bring God glory and you make, even in your funk, make a decision that I'm going to start bringing God glory in this situation. I'm going to stop all the focus on me and how I feel and how, how this situation has upset my world. I'm going to stop all the uh, you know, conversation that just draws negative attention towards me. And, and instead, I'm going, to, I'm going to make a choice. I'm going to fake it till I make it if that's what I got to do, but I'm going to make a choice and I'm going to choose to glorify God even in this situation, even in this darkest point of my life, this day when I wish I could just die, I'm going to instead point to God and, and, and bring Him as much glory as I can possibly. I'm going to make it about Him instead of about me. I'm going to point people to God and His goodness instead of me and my misery. 
I'm going to start trying to recruit worshipers of God instead of people who are sympathetic to me. I'm going to glorify God in this. I'm going to follow him in the way that he has called me to serve him. I'm not going to let this sideline me. I'm not going to let it sideline me. All Satan wants to do is just distract you. He doesn't care what you do as long as you're not doing the one thing that God wants you to do. And if he can distract you from the good work that God has called you to, from the kingdom-building work that God has called you to. This is, you know, I talked last week kind of about our church being at a critical juncture in, in our church where, you know, that we have to kind of stay the course and that sort of thing. It is so critical. This applies to us so much that in a church like ours that is growing, that we're seeing God do great things and people are coming to Christ and people are being baptized and lives are being changed, it is so easy for Satan to kind of just get a foothold in our little family here and, and, and cause a little a bit of disunity, cause a little bit of discouragement, uh, you know, individually or collectively. And if we're not careful, we get distracted from the good things that God has called us to do and from this, the work of, of, of joining God and building up this church and this community. We get distracted from that and, and, and Satan gets what he wants. And I, guys, we as a church, you as an individual, all of us together, we have to make the decision. We will not, I'm not going to be that guy. I'm not going to be that girl. I'm going to be faithful. I'm going to point to God, even when I'm not feeling it, even on my hardest day, to God be the glory. Amen? Amen. We have work here to do. You have work in your life to do. You have a family that depends on you, friends that depend on you. You have an employer that's looking to you. You have all your neighbors, everybody around you, your mission field, like we talked about last week. You have your mission field, your calling that God has called you to. And if you get distracted off of that and focus, start focusing on yourself and your problems and your issues, then you get distracted off of this work. And this work is too important for you to have a pity party. God's work is too important for you to sit around and pout. Make a choice. I'm going to get up. I'm going to remember my calling. I'm going to look for the way God is trying to sustain me all around me, even though I don't see it right now. I'm going to look for it. When I see it and when I hear it, I'm going to take advantage of it. I'm going to remember how he called me. I'm going to, I'm going to return to where he called me. I'm not going to stay focused on this. I'm going to stay focused on God and his glory. I'm going to stay focused there, even in the worst. Now, let me take a little side trip here, okay? When I talk about struggling through depression and anxiety and things like that, um, there are some of, uh, maybe there are some of you in the room that it could sound really insensitive of me to just assume that all you got to do is choose not to do that. That there are some of you that maybe... um, your depression, your anxiety is, is a lot more serious than just a seasonal thing. Maybe it's more of a clinical thing. And I don't want to be, I don't want to be insensitive to that. And so I want to talk about that just a little bit because I have people ask me about this often. Okay? One of the things I know is this, that we, first of all, we need to get rid of the stigma of mental illness. Can we, can we just do that? Can we just stop? You know, there's this, if you have a broken bone, you go to the doctor and you don't feel ashamed, okay? Unless your three-year-old girl broke it. 
maybe. But, um, but if you, if, I have diabetes, okay? I, I go to the doctor. I get, I get checked up on. I have medicine that I take for that diabetes. I feel no shame in that. Um, it's just part of my life that I have to get used to. I hate it, but whatever, it's there, right? But there's something about us that whenever something's uh, screwed up with our brains, uh, if, that, if that's the case, that we are, we're somehow trained to feel all kinds of shame and guilt about that and like we can't talk about it. And Can we just get rid of that stigma? If you're sick, go, go get dealt with. It's fine. It's fine. You don't have to feel ashamed of that. Okay? Now, should you take medication for your depression or anxiety? And this is, this is what I would say to that. Okay? I grew up in a family where um, we didn't really go to the doctor unless we were sick. Like, really sick, right? Like, my family, like, like, we had tried everything over the counter. We had tried all of grandma's little cures. We had tried everything. My mom had busted out the whiskey and honey and everything else she knew to try. And we were, we tried everything we knew to try. And if all of that still didn't work, well, I guess we need to go to the doctor. Let's go to the doctor. Evidently, this is something more serious. And I would encourage you when it comes to, if you struggle with depression, anxiety, Treat it a little bit the same. Explore everything else first. For some of you, it might be that you need to make a change in your habits. You need to go to bed earlier. You need to uh, change your diet. You might need to start getting exercise that you're not getting, whatever it is. And some things like that could really help you move out of what that, that funk that you're in or that anxiety that you're in or whatever it is. Just little changes in habits to your life. For some of you, um, now, now I'm going to say this one. And I'm going to get emails on it, and I'm telling you, stop it, because I'll probably just delete it anyway, okay? <laughs> no, I, I won't delete it, but, um, but hear me out before you make a judgment, okay? For some of you, not all, I did not say all, for some of you, the depression or the anxiety you feel could be because of sin in your life. It's called conviction. And you can try to medicate the Holy Spirit out of your life. And that, you're, you're just walking into a lifelong struggle. There are times, if you're feeling down and you're feeling bad, it could be because you need to feel down and bad about the way you're living. The choices that you're making. And it could be, if you just got right with God, a lot of that would work out. Jeff, are you saying I, I'm depressed because I got sin in my life? No. I'm saying you might want to ask God about it, though. Just simply pray a little prayer. God, if there's anything going on in my life right now, anything I need to change about the way I'm living, any, if there's any way I'm living that's out of alignment with your word, would you just point that out to me? And chances are, if that's you, you don't need to ask God about it. You know what it is. You know what it is. Some of you just need to get right. And you would, you would feel so much peace if you would just get right. Now, again, I'm not saying that's everybody. Now, there are some of you that you explore all of that. You, you try every way you can to, to deal with it in, you know, before heading, heading in for the heavy hitters or whatever. But you feel absolutely caged in and crippled by your depression or your anxiety. And go talk to your doctor. That's perfectly fine. There should be no shame in that at all. Go talk to your doctor. 
It could be that there's, there's some sort of chemical imbalance, there's some sort of something going on that, that a doctor could really help you with. Don't deny yourself of that. Don't choose to live in misery you know, just because of, you don't want to deal with the stigmas or, or whatever. It's just, just go deal with it. But try everything else first. You know, first of all, I should also should have mentioned first. I did mention first last service, so that's my redemption. But you, should, you need to start off with prayer, okay? You need to start off by taking it to God and say, you know, pray that situation through. God, ask God to help you through it, to heal you of it, whatever else, and, and just take you through that. And now here's the thing, here's the thing about illness, though. It, it just, this is no different than any other illness. Sometimes God chooses to heal, and sometimes he doesn't. Sometimes God knows that he can give, bring himself the most glory through healing, and sometimes he knows that he can bring himself the most glory through not. And we may not understand that, but we're not God, and he is. Just like any other illness, sometimes God chooses to heal and sometimes he doesn't. And so if you find yourself in a more of a clinical type situation where you need to seek medical treatment for your depression or anxiety, again, feel no shame or stigma about that. Just do it. But then I would also, I, I tell people, um, you know, this is what happens is, is, is if you get on that kind of road, a lot of times there's this, this feeling like I don't want to become like hooked on these drugs the rest of my life like I can't function without pills or whatever I I don't want to be that person and and that's fine that you don't want to be that person so I would just like with any other illness I would occasionally put God to the test and and begin to pray that through and say God I'm praying for healing right now God would you if it's in your will if if this was is what would bring you the most glory I want you to have the glory so if if this is what would bring you the most glory would you please demonstrate yourself in a powerful way and heal me of this. And you talk to your doctor and you have your doctor begin to wean you off of those drugs. Don't do it yourself. That's going to be a bad day for you, okay? Talk to your doctor. Do it with your doctor. Have him wean you down off of those drugs. It may take weeks or months, but they have a plan for doing it. Have him wean you down. Pray that thing through. God, will you please heal me? And you put God to the test. And God will either heal you or he won't. It's in his control, not ours. And if he does, to God be the glory. And if he doesn't, to God be the glory. Go back and take your medicine. There's no, I, I, I'm tired of people trying to be super spiritual and super holy of something that, that is just, to me, is just common sense. It's just common sense. Don't be worried about this thing in your life in such a way that you don't seek treatment. Don't judge other people who that's where they are. Um, until, you know, heaven forbid you would have to walk a mile in their shoes to be around, you know, to feel like you can't even hardly live in your own skin. You should lift those people up in prayer like we would lift anybody else dealing with any other sickness in prayer. Lift them up in prayer and pray for healing, for God to heal. Amen? Amen. For the rest of us, though, who go through these little seasonal bouts or circumstantial bouts of depression or whatever, don't allow yourself, don't, don't allow Satan to sideline you. Don't stay there. Don't be that person who, who uh, gets completely sidelined out of their ministry because they choose uh, not to get up. Instead, be the person who says, I'm not going to be this guy. I'm not going to be this girl. I'm going to get up today. I'm going to do everything I can to see where God is moving and where God is working. I'm going to choose to give him the glory. I'm not going to make this day about me. I'm going to make it about him. And when you begin to do that, then you become like Elijah. You get back on that road and you get used in even more powerful ways as we're going to see in the next couple of weeks. God is not finished with you and you are not worthless. Quit allowing those voices in your head to tell you that you are not worthless. There is, 
In fact, you are so worthwhile that God sent his only son to die for you. That's how not worthless you are. And so don't you dare call worthless what God looks at and calls holy. Let's pray. Father, I love you, and your word is good to us, and I thank you so much for it, God. Would you help us to apply it to our lives, God? For those of us in the room that are struggling with um, just being down, being depressed, being anxious about life in general, whatever it is, God, would you lead us up and out of that pit? God, would you uh, remind us that you are faithful and that you have never left us and you are providing for us if we will just look for it and we will see it, God? We thank you for that. Now, we're a church that is, um, we're, we're, we're kind of uncomfortably real around here, okay? And uh, we encourage you not to put on, you know, uh, you know, some sort of mask when you come to church or, you know, that we just, we're, we're all human. We all have good days. We all have bad days. We all, you know, have great relationships and bad relationships. We, it's just, we're people. We're people. So right now, as a group of people, as a family of people who... Um, fully recognize who we are and who God is. This is what I want to challenge you. We're going to close our service a little bit different. We're actually going to close with communion in a second. But right now, we're going, to, we're going to do something a little bit different. And if you're like me, and right now you're kind of going through a hard time in your life where you're having trouble getting out of the pit that you find yourself in for whatever reason you're in a pit, for whatever reason you're in a pit, would you just do this? Would you uh, have the courage to stand with me, stand to your feet. And everybody that stands, would, would everybody else just kind of put a hand on their shoulder and let's lift these people up in prayer and pray them out of this situation that they're in. Right now, if that's you, would you just stand to your feet? Stand to your feet and receive the prayer and receive the encouragement that, that we all have for you. Stand up, stand up. Don't have any shame in it. Stand up right now. Stand up. Now, everybody around them, go put a, put a hand on their shoulder. Let's, uh, let's encourage them. Let's pray for them right now. Come on, stand up. Everybody, get up. Put a hand on somebody that's standing up next to you. Lift them up, lift them up. Let's pray him up right now. Father, we love you. And again, you are so good. And God, for these people that are standing, that need your power, that need you to rescue them right now and to bring them out of the pit that they're in, God, I pray that you would bring peace and understanding, God, that you would uh, make yourself known to them in a very real way, that they would feel your presence, that they would know right now in this moment that you haven't forgotten them, that you haven't given up on them, God, but that you are still there for them in a, in a very powerful way, God, that you're working solutions where they don't even know there are problems, God. You have not abandoned them, but you are their father who would never abandon them, God. And so, God, for those of us that are uh, low right now, that are depressed right now, that are feeling whatever emotions that we might be feeling, God, I pray that you would give us the strength and the courage to turn all that over to you, to just turn it over to you and to begin to focus on you instead of ourselves. God, help us to find you in this situation. God, I pray right now in faith uh, that you would uh, bring everyone that's standing up and out of these pits that they're in and uh, into a place uh, of, of uh, on, on the solid rock of you and your faith, God, I pray that you would bring us there and bring us to a place of victory. God, that you would still use us in building your kingdom and building this church and building up strong families and everything that you've called us to do. God, that you would use us and in a powerful way, in a powerful way. Make us all know right now that you, there's no way that you're done with us. You still have work for us to do. You still love us more than we could ever imagine. Thank you so much. God, you're so good. You're so good. We give 
all of our situations to you. Whether we feel strong or whether we feel weak, right now in this moment, we give ourselves to you and we say to you, be the glory. You be the glory. You alone are worthy of our praise and you alone will get it today. Amen. Amen. We love you. Lead us and guide us in the way you want us to go. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Everybody give God a hand this morning. All right.